All right, all right, all right. I hope I muted all the right things. Not too much. Guys, shout at me if there's any mistakes. Um, but welcome, everyone. Um, I'm sorry I didn't do any uh, FC chats the last two weeks, but they always fell through. It, sometimes it's hard to get people organized on the same day. You know, everyone has busy lives. But I finally, I finally got one. I wanted to have one for quite a while, actually. All right, so today's guest um, is one of Horde's most known FCs, um, I would say, it's fair to say. Um, like I said, I wanted to have him on for a while because I thought uh, when he was up and coming, uh, especially during uh, the big war, World War B2, um, he was a little bit of a, he was known as a reckless kind of, a lover of cormorants uh, to fair to say right so for those who remember the memes he's responsible for those the core memes all right um but then he switched to like um a little bit bigger and i'd say bolder uh, doctrines too um i would even say there's some weird shit in there which i always appreciate for those who don't me you know i was like the the weird stuff i was never a fan of like just flying mutants and uh, or whatever other people also fly. Um, so a little bit unorthodox, um, you know, shields, blaster, dimoses on a larger scale. I get it. You know, if you have a five man roam, you would maybe fly shield, blaster, dimoses, but like, like 50 plus, I don't know. That's pretty weird. Um, or super long range sniper, um, Owen eyes. Um, I don't know. You might you might want to tell us uh, about uh, some other doctrines you have uh, later. Um, and yeah, I don't think you you seem too uh, too afraid to lose some shit every now and then, you know. And uh, I appreciate that too. So yeah, welcome to the podcast, Mist. Thanks for inviting me. Um, first question. All right, then I need to clear up. If you're not French, where are you from? Russia. All right, so you're Russian. I see. I when I heard your accent at first, it did sound a little French. I gotta say, like I, I if you told me you were French, I'd probably buy it. Not French. There you go, guys. He's not French. He likes baguette though, apparently. Right? Who doesn't? Uh, I don't know. Honestly. A good baguette, um, yeah, it's pretty solid. I have baguette almost every day. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty good for like for my breakfast. So yeah, maybe I, I'm a bread, uh, I'm a baguette enthusiast too. And I didn't even know. It. I never thought about. It. Maybe we have even more in common than I already thought. You know, because that's the main reason why I thought this this one could be really fun. Uh, it's because I do think we have a couple of things in common, actually, especially when it comes to, um, you know, doctrine choice and stuff. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe you want to answer that question. I might actually have a good guess what you're going to say, but why do you fly weird shit like blaster, uh, shield blaster, dimoses and stuff? Well, if you go for blaster demosis for example because it is a damage multiplier basically when i come what what do i do 
I don't hunt enemy crabs or miners or whatever else. We can kill them if we come across them, but they are not a direct target. Uh, when I do my baguette of locks, we go to enemy staging and we look for a fight with response. Problem is, usually we are outnumbered because bats can always just hype being 100 men hackfully to fight, get in, get in, get in. So we need something to even the ground. Blaster Demoses back in their day wore this, uh, wore this multiplier because 1000 DPS in the face is perfect application. We were also incredibly fast. So back in, back in that day, Munions were the most uh, prevalent doctrine in Dolsek. And against Munions, these Demoses work marvelously. Uh, nowadays, they don't work very well because, well, matter shifted and now they can be easily cheesed, but there are some other approaches I can try. Uh, same logic was with uh, autocannon hurricanes, uh, metal slowed down, so that allowed me to start bringing T1 battle cruisers. They were not no longer so slow; they could be easily kited. Uh, but how so, do you get? Yeah, there's that. How do you get like a, a bunch of hurricane? How big are the fleets at the moment that you're running? Are they like between fifty and hundred, something like this, or hundred plus? Uh, Generally 100 plus. Oh, how much? Uh, well, it depends on, on the day of the week. In work days, it's usually around 120, 130. On weekends, it can go up to 170 even. But how do plus you get 170 hurricanes? How do you get 170 hurricanes to anyone's staging? Do you just straight up travel there? Like on foot? From Jitter? No. <laughs> no, we are not. Well, first of all, it's not 170 hurricanes. It's lower than that. We still have lodges, and we have also a, a lot of new bros. Uh, during my fleets, I hand out free ships for them, so of course uh, they make up a large population of fleets. Uh, usually, well, if we talk about 160, 170 my fleet, that means I have around 100, maybe 110 hurricanes. That amount can go through a wormhole. So I'm paying 500 million ISK for oh, people to yeah. find me wormholes to the areas I'm looking for. Uh, there are certain rules. They must be very large, not reduced. The route must no must be not longer than twenty five jumps, and otherwise, what exactly is the point? And yeah, that's how I get my rules. Now I remember that actually that you guys have that program going, and you couldn't do that in a smaller group, right? You wouldn't have enough people um, that would be interested in that. I think um, you that know to find those moments. I mean. Sure, smaller groups, I feel like the smaller the group, the more dedicated those people are to the group on average, right? But then you would also be asking more of everyone individually. You know what I mean? For example, when we have like our warmer crew, when we have like the, the guys that like probe out drifter warmers and stuff like this, um, it usually is just a handful of people, even though it's a huge alliance, right? And... Um, to to do that like during a campaign or whatever and have these the same two three guys do all of the work all the time that's a lot of um that's a lot of work right that's just how it is um but you you spread it a little bit further right or do you have like a hand is it like is it like four or five guys or is it like really like a bunch of people go out and if they get lucky with a with a good wormhole they get lucky or is it like you know i'm sure it's the same guys to a degree but like, how many different people are there, are involved there usually? What do you think? 
Uh, well, on the average, it's like a couple of guys who always are trying to find vocals for me. But other people will chip into every now and then. Uh, you are right that uh, if I had a smaller group, same approach wouldn't work. Simply because, well, I require certain critical mass for it to work. But I like to work against limitations. I like to work against odds. And numbers are one such limitation. If the current approach doesn't work, that means I'm shifting approach. That means I'm trying out something new. An example would be this Navi Ospreys I tried out recently. Before that, I was well known as a brawler. I was always doing autocannons or blasters mm -hmm. or something that gets close and personal. Because again, it's a damage multiplier. But damage multiplier doesn't work when you're outnumbered 2 to 1 or, or even 3 to 1. I mean, <laughs> there are certain limits what you can achieve. That requires actual kiting. So, kiting it was. Yeah, that's what I always say. When people say, like, why do you fly... Like, for example, when I fly solo at the moment, it's usually something overpropped, right? Or, like, if I do a small gang, there's always something weird about it. Like, be it small assault freaks that remote up. Um, or is it... Um, I don't know, the kickies with, like, command destroyers. I think it just comes down to you always need something, just something. It doesn't have to be DPS. It doesn't have to be range. It can be a bush. It can be a bomb run. It can be like some, you always have to have something in your pocket to surprise them, right? The second, um, the second you just bring like something straightforward, like a Munin fleet to roam with, like, yeah, they just pour more. And then what? Like, how are you going to all play the same doctrine? <laughs> With less people, right? It's very hard. Very, very hard. So, yeah. So exactly. You, so, uh, you switch from DPS to range now. Uh, did you have some other, like, special uh, approaches, maybe? That, that uh, I do. Uh, well, first of all, I don't... <laughs> a bit of a spoiler, but uh, the last couple of days were not exactly easy for by the clock i shifted to b3 area something that i was not uh, i was a bit apprehensive about why because there's a lot of groups there too many groups each time i'm shifting to roam a new area uh, first few days are rough why because each group has its own patterns of engagement each group has its own strengths and weaknesses each group has something we can exploit and something we should be wary Problem is, out there, it's not one group or two groups, it's five or six. Yeah. And even if I can bring something that can counter one group, and it is something that another can uh, exploit and just delete us. Exa perfect example was yesterday, when my fleet was just tick bombed By an absolutely amazing tick bomb, I have to say, I totally did not see it coming. Uh, <laughs> usually, piece, I avoid yeah. tick bombs by just... I mean, I was fucking impressed. <laughs> but... Uh, Basically, how it went. Uh, usually, we just return to our desktop because that allows us to avoid tick bombs and, well, it's just faster, plain and simple. Uh, it did not work very well because Init were formed at the moment and they just uh, dropped in the middle of us. Uh, we managed to survive, thankfully, but from that point, we had to follow Fleet Force. So, okay, Fleet Force we followed. Usually, when there's a tick bomb, you can see it coming. Because if there is 20 neutrals in local, it's pretty sus. Especially if you don't see them on Discord. Especially if there is a bubble on the outgate without anybody seeing. Uh, it was not the case here. Lo there were only two neutrals in local. There was uh, no bubbles. Everything was clean. 
We warped. The moment we warped, two sides lit up, bombers bridged in, they aligned to the gate, they take bombed us. Yeah. I saw that the... shit was fucking impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the video and it was well executed, perfectly timed. That's the key thing with the, with tick bombs. You have to be confident yeah. the fleet actually lands on zero, right? So you're committed. The sign the sign goes up before the fleet lands. So you're like like the other FC must have been super confident you warp on zero. So you can't bubble a gate. If you bubble a gate, chances are you warp to a ping anyway, right? So they have to leave it open yes. to bomb you on the gate on zero. Uh and then they actually time it perfectly to actually catch you. So, you know, it's like... Yes, but here's the do? problem. Here is the problem. Since it is uh, so many groups are living there, I'm not just going to one single system and just sit there. For example, two days ago, we came to Goon Station in DO6. I had like 40 or 50 IDO sprays. Uh, timing was not super good. There was somebody else's fleet out. And they brought battleships. There was 80 T1 battleships alone. There was uh, plus there was about 40 uh, Navy battleships. I could not engage that, so we had to move. So my point is, I'm not just coming to one single system. I might have to move. And every time we move, we are vulnerable to either TIG bombs or something else. And if we cannot free burn, because we could not free burn, well, you see the point. Yeah. So my point is, uh, Navy Ospreys were initially uh, envisioned as a way to counter goon Alpha Phyrexes, but they might not necessarily work in this particular environment. So I'm seeking to try something new. Uh, for today, actually, I tried something new a couple of weeks ago. Uh, on the test ride, it went absolutely bananas. <laughs> but it was incredibly fun. We killed a lot of shit, so I'm going to do it again now. Combat Interceptors. Bomb this, you feel casual. Wait, which ones though? Crusaders or what? All of them. All well, of basically, uh, basically, uh, there are going to be three different interceptors. Why? Because I want to be, uh, to have it a bit spread out. So if uh, someone can only fly Kaldari but cannot fly mm, Amar or yeah. Minmatar, he can still come. The only ones I'm not bringing are Galanti because Galanti are fucking trash. You Sorry, know what? Funny Lovers. enough, I did try a Tyrannus fleet. But it was remote rep Tyrannus. Actually, I made someone else try it, which is even worse, I guess, right? Shout yeah, out to cool. <laughs> Shout out to Pappy. But uh yeah, we tried. It's hard. It's fucking hard. But you know. But yeah, comet interceptors. And then you counter what with it though. Uh, uh come again, please. Sorry, but you counter what with counter uh, with with uh, combat interceptors? You just try to get under the guns of the of the battleships and stuff, and kill uh, everything no, no. else. We can we cannot fight battleships either way. I mean, they can just yeah, rap, uh, they can just trap us. <laughs> I mean, what can we do? No, if they bring battleships, we do the same thing we did with navy Ospreys. We just start working around and trying to find stragglers or kill their dictators or whatever else. And if their main fleet comes, we just warp out uh, somewhere else. Plus, we can always try to go to somebody else's staging. There is one certain. Pro, uh, positive side about so many groups living in one place, there is a lot of traffic. They always move one way or another. And when they move, we can follow. Uh, or otherwise we can just uh, uh, sit on their gates and what uh, just camp with whatever else. Main problem right now is not that they have some doctrines that easily counter us. I mean, that's problematic, of course, but that's not the main point. Main problem is 
they have a lot of approaches to kill us, be it pie bombs or tick bombs or just some tokens we cannot engage. Beauty of combat interceptors is, well, they're not very easy to tick bomb. They're not very easy to pie bomb because, well, due to the way I'm flying them. And if they bring some odds I don't like, we just extract. It's simple as that. And on top of that, they have some incredibly solid DPS. I mean, uh, Crusader Fit I have deals about 300 DPS per ship. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it tracks everything. It's and it, it applies in, it applies instantly because they're locked so fast. The scepters, right? It's like yeah, they're pretty strong. Yeah, I'm not certain it will work, but when I come to and uh, to some new area, I start experimenting, and basically I'm just throwing ideas at at the uh, wall until something sticks. If it sticks, good. I can keep try, uh, trying that in future. If it doesn't stick, well, tomorrow I'll try something else. That's you know, see, that's exactly what I do too, right? Um, like, be it the Stukas with Bushes or be it uh, like some remote app stuff or whatever. Like, I've done some weird stuff that never worked, really. Like, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Not, it doesn't have to be like, not everything has to be a winner, you know? Um, and you know, like I said in that little introduction, like you gotta be fine with losing ships. Like otherwise, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna push forward. Honestly, right? You don't lose a, a fleet here and there. Of course, I mean, everybody loses a fleet every now and then. Like as long as you undog, chances are you're going to lose. That's part of the game. There is, uh, <laughs> there are no great uh, tacticians in the game that never lost a single fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as my fleets go, dying is never a problem. In f- in fact, it's expected. kind of a victory in itself. It's kind of expected and it's kind of a victory in itself because now we don't have to burn home. We're already home. Good mm-hmm. job. We just saved 20 minutes. Uh, that is victory real. conditions, though. The victory conditions, though, that I set, uh, set us in front of myself is, yes, we can die. And I'm absolutely okay with dying. But in dying, we must kill more than we lose. Like, that's a victory condition for me. If we do, great, I consider it a win. If we didn't, well, then there is a mo- room for improvement. Yeah, I have a, I have a very similar approach. Yeah, I have a very similar <laughs> approach. Like, whenever people talk about, like, killboard, like, I'm not worried about killboard stuff. But, like, when it comes to fleet fights, it still gives you a good idea how successful the fleet was. You know what I mean? They can't deny that. So to to just measure it that way, you know, I think it's totally legit. Um, of course, of course. Pe- people always say like, oh, it's all it's all about the fun. But yeah, the FC you want to see it, the concept succeed. You know what I mean? You want to still see like at the end of the day, okay, we did we did kind of win, right? So that's always what you aim for. And I think the weirder the concept, the better. You know, the more surprising the concept to people, like the better the overall, um, you know, result in my eyes anyway, right? If if I fly Munins, I don't know how happy I could be about winning a fight with them, you know, or like maybe not Munins anymore, right? Now they, you know, they're in a well, kind of still a... still use Munins, but yeah. they are kind of gimmicking. Yeah, I mean, they, they still get the drop done, don't get me wrong. But like, let's say the, the old uh, heck meta, right? Doing that, like, I, it didn't do anything to me. Like, like, I couldn't care less if I ever won the fight. And that's, I think, you know, 
it's just a bad recipe long term right you can do it once or twice but like over time like why would you even undock it then right so for me always it had always to have like something weird to it and i always thought like after you switch to shield dimosses <laughs> i thought oh that dude is like he knows what uh, you know what what i mean when i say it is like he understands uh like yeah it's not about being this the most uh effective ship it just have to be the most effective for the fight you get right and if you f show up with something really weird you get the better fight so like overall you have a better chance of winning it right it's like that's how you have to see it i think right and uh, yeah yeah what would you th what would you think is the most underrated uh doctrine that you um Maybe was it the shield diamonds the most underrated where people were like, oh, it doesn't work, and then you know, made it work? It was underrated until day one when I deleted Goon Union Fleet. Then suddenly nobody underrated it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> why mm. do you, why do you, what's the big mistake people make uh, or made, right? Since you're not flying shield demos, maybe you can give it away. Um, engaging them. What do you think was the big mistake? I mean, I, I've got a good, I've got a good guess. Junking at zero. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you just spread out, and the Dimos fleet would have to, you know, travel from target to target, they can't make use of the DPS, really, right? Um, well, yes, but uh, let me give you an example. How that fight went with uh, unions and Dimoses. Uh, Goons were coming to want the case. Uh, they were coming from QDKH direction. I knew they were going to take skid. So we walked to the gate. We walked in formation, so we landed more or less spread out around. What the goons didn't know is that we have scramblers. So they jumped into us. Yeah, we sacrificed some tank for it, but suddenly their means found themselves absolutely immobilized. Uh, mistake here was the fact that they, well, jumped into us. What they could have done is either trying to kite us. Uh, we're probably still a bit faster, but it is a possibility here. Or, indeed, you can try to spread out. Like, orbit it at uh, 30 kilometers or 40 kilometers, make us go to your next target. Uh, because the moment we are burning to the, the moment one demos burns to another, another target after the previous nights, he's not shooting. So, that's, that's the main mistake. Main mistake is actually unclean up. As long as people are okay with orbiting, that immediately becomes a large counter. Yeah, Unless, of course, I expect that. That's, that's why we had scramblers back in the day. But generally speaking, that's more or less the way it works. Yeah, people about... talk. Sorry. Keep going. Uh, about underrated doctrines. Well, as ironic as, I, as it may sound, I'd probably say hurricanes. Because a lot of people underestimate hurricanes and what hurricanes can do, but they are surprisingly solid platforms, especially on artillery guns. Because suddenly it doesn't matter how many lodges you have. You still can wall it. And that's why I was so in love with them. Yeah, you know who always liked Hurricanes? Uh, was Piggles. So PGL always liked when um, when Munins first came up-ish, I guess. When the meta was starting. He was still like pushing like Welp Canes quite a bit, I think. Like he, uh, he always sweat on those, um, and I think we had for a long time we had a hurricane uh, doctrine too in it. But yeah, they they kind of with hex they kind of, you know, 
they dropped in popularity, I guess. I guess, you know, what that probably is, is they trade really well, but at the end of the day, an equal-sized Munich fleet will still win the fight. You know what I mean? Uh, from strategic standpoint, yes. If your goal is to secure a timer or an IHOP or whatever else, then yes, you cannot be in a hurricane because you will trade very well, but you will not secure the grid, you will die. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people don't what, value that as much then. And that's why people didn't fly that. Actually, yes. But there is also another problem. Uh, there is one ship that directly counters them. It's called Ferrex. Like, if enemies bring Ferrexes and you have equal numbers, you lose. There is nothing you can do about it. If enemy has more numbers, you lose card. So, for the way I see it, uh, the drop in popularity for Hurricanes is directly related to the increase of popularity of Phyrexes shortly before the hack era or during the early stages of hack era. Then Phyrexes dropped in popularity too because, well, it became hacks, hacks online. But that was further on. I think overall, Hurricanes or Battlecruisers, Shield Battlecruisers in general, le uh, lost popularity because of the bomb threat. And uh, I think most people at the time didn't realize that. That was like, it's easy, easy to lose a Battlecruiser fleet to like a bomb run. It's like what, two squads, three squads? You don't need a shit ton, right? I think after formation warps were introduced, um, I think people missed out on that. But they didn't realize, okay, now the bomb threat isn't quite as high and Battlecruisers uh, could really be back in... Uh, but I think some people tried. There were some Ferox um, fleets. Um, but, you know, I think they're way more effective um, than, you know, people might think. And I think also, I wanted to actually say that earlier, I think the, the five years of Munin meta that we had, it made so many lazy FCs, you know, they don't know anything else but anchor on zero, and that's why you could be like capitalize on that quite hard with the Dimosis. Um They like that's how you run a fleet. That's what a lot of people like. There were some FCs that only knew they only played during the Munin meta, so they only knew hey, uh, jump in, anchor up, MWDs on, and call targets. They didn't know about like hey, you can also spread out. You can you know do all kinds of things. You know. They only knew that one approach, right? Oh, I absolutely agree with you here. Uh, in fact, it was kind of hilarious when I switched from autocannon uh, hurricanes to articanes because uh, when I started just coming to B3 area, back then B2 area, it was before the war with fire, uh, they were doing hacks against me. Every single time they were doing hacks, eagles more specifically. It was after the nerf. They didn't do anything except eagles and muins. Still don't mostly. So I was like, okay, what are you gonna do if I start being in Articate? Because surprise, you cannot really kite me anymore so well because you're still in range. What are you gonna do? Turns out they just kept bringing eagles and mutants. And let me tell you, these PRs look ridiculous. Yeah, sure, I can lose my entire fleet, but as long as I kill their entire logic wing, I suddenly two times more exposure. And that's just one example. And every time, every time I was looking at it, and I was like, Jesus, what are you doing? Just bring fucking fire access, you'll delete me. Why do you keep bringing me hacks? Eventually they wisened up, but it took about a month for that. Which yeah. was actually ridiculous. You know what's actually funny? That was one of the concerns. I mean, now I can talk about it. 
the heck nerf happened and it was one of the concerns of some people i don't want to name any names they were like oh no what if everyone just switches to battle cruisers and i mean like my instant reaction was like who cares right isn't that great battle cruisers <laughs> like come on dudes battle cruisers like you can kill them in so many ways and they're good at killing shit stuff should be dying left right and center if it's like if it's all battle cruisers like that wouldn't be the worst version of eve it would be pretty cool right yeah, as long as there are some shakeups. Like yeah. when these hacks were first nerfed, I spent <laughs> several nights just sitting there and feeding different shit. Some of it is even crazier than Blaster Demos. Like, oh, what's example, the craziest? I, the craziest. Yeah. Now, do you know Na uh, Navi Ospreys, right? Uh, how yeah. fast they go and how far they can shoot. Now imagine Talases that go just as fast, shoot even farther. And have perfect tracking. Uh, That's the greatest shit I've ever seen. Over, over propped Thanos's or what? Or just nano, no, nano, no. nano, just 50 mm. 50 mm and a lot of nanos. The reason why I never went with them is just I never really what found a, a that niche is. for them. <laughs> and yes, they are a big bomb target. <laughs> My, that's the craziest. Paper, paper taluses? I kind of expected uh, something, uh, I don't know, some overprop stuff or maybe, um, I, don't I don't know how crazy you can actually go. Maybe at the moment it's all, like, there's there's limits to craziness, right? You kind of want to be effective still. Just crazy is not going to cut it. I mean, if you want to go full crazy, you might as well just go for these battle ventures. <laughs> but it's kind of classic. Um... So if that's the if that's the weirdest one, the most underrated is hurricanes. Then uh, what's your favorite one of all your doctrines that you ever made? Is it the sheet diamonds? Mm. Well, I kind of spoiled earlier that my favorite one is still hurricanes. But if we say that something aside from hurricanes. Mm, that's an interesting question, actually. I'd probably say it have to be yours. Navi sizes. Size Navy issues. Yes, size Navy issues. The reason is they they are the only Binmatar boat uh, that goes well with the cannons, and they have five mid slots, not four like stubbers or wagons, but five. It means we can either slap extra tank or we can slap scrambler without sacrificing anything. They look extremely good on paper, and several times they worked very, very nice. But then people just started bringing hacks against me. Bring so a fax? That was the end of the dream. Well, they were bringing faxes too, but uh, I said hacks. hacks. Oh, hacks. All right, all right. I thought for a second, hack, a fax. Faxes are pretty, and I'm glad they are, pretty rare. Right? Like, uh, how do I say it? Hmm. When I was coming to beat two area, every time they were dropping a fax on me. Well, I mean, this is a war Every zone. Every single time. Uh, you know, there's a there's always like I make exceptions for war zones like that. It's kind of like you're, you're getting involved in a war in a way. Like even though you're roaming in there, it's still they have a very much a strategic um, mindset, saying like, okay, we we're just gonna win this fight too, right? Like they just wanna get that win. So naturally, oh. I think the 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 threshold is like a little lower for like effects to be dropped. 
Okay, let me give you another example. Several days before the war with fire, I, I knew about it a bit both our friends, so I started throwing them and checking out the ground a bit earlier. Uh, we went to fire staging. They dropped the fax with uh, an eagle fleet. What happened next? We all died, of course. But we took the fax with us. Right. They did not drop faxes on me ever since. Well, that's one way to deal with it. I'm just glad that, you know, I don't think, I mean, it does happen, sure. But I think in general, if you roam around, it's not as common anymore with the with the higher price tag for exactly that reason, right? Like sometimes you just get to kill that fax and then it's not really worth it for them at the end, right? Well, yes, it's not as common as it used to be, indeed. Uh, but it's still pretty common for baguette clocks to have enemies bringing faxes with them. Especially if enemies bring some more expensive doctrines like eagles or whatever else. Yeah. Um, so FC-wise, do you have like... Um, like you started FCing um, during World War B, or like shortly before, I'd say, right? Like... I forgot, uh, maybe half a year before mm. or so, you started really... No. Uh, that's at least well, from the outside, A couple right? of years earlier. A couple of years earlier. So you have been FC'ing for a while. Um, like, how did you like? How did you decide um, to like start FC'ing and then push for like a larger scale and get involved in war stuff and stuff like this? Is Mist really French well, or is not? <laughs> no, I'm not French. <laughs> but uh, how I started FC'ing? That's a bit mm -hmm. of a stressful question. Do you know Lassilu? Do I know what? Lassilu. Lucilu. I, oh, I yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So back in the day, we were we heard were living in Jemnet, and Lassilu was bringing his dreadnoughts every now and then. And suddenly, at some point, we had his dreadnought, but there was nobody to form. Uh, like absolutely nobody. Everybody else was busy, and I was like, "Okay, I can form, but I don't know what I do, and my English sucks." And nobody cares. Think it's hard to understand me now. If you think it's hard to understand me now, you should have seen me five years ago. <laughs> and suddenly, it, it just went amazing. We formed some firexes. He killed some shit. Eventually, he either ran out of cap or something else. And, well, he just died. Uh, and from that point forward, I just started doing home defeats because I saw that people understand me, that I don't have to be so afraid about my accent, that I that I enjoyed, generally speaking. Uh, then I was doing a lot of home def. Uh, it was not until about a year or even a year and a half later that I started doing roams. But that's mostly because, well, I was pretty satisfied with home def and partially because, well, roams are generally harder to make. Because you come to the enemy territories and can easily bring a perfect counter, and you have to understand what you are doing. Yeah, it is and, tricky. Well, yeah, that's see, that's one well, of the things I always say when people say like, "Oh yeah, FC skills and stuff like this." Like, I don't know what to like. It's not that important to know what to form. It's it's more important to know like where to take what you have to get the right fight for what you have. You know what I mean? At what time do you go where? Like, do you know these guys? Like you said earlier, actually, um, you know, to understand those guys and their habits and, and stuff a little bit, right? That's that's the most important part when it comes to FC skills, right? So you can predict your opponent a little bit and then have the upper hand, um, perhaps, right? Rather than having the best doctrine. The best doctrine is not going to cut it, right? 
people just there bring... is no best doctrine yeah exactly Plain people simple. just bring more of that doctrine you know what i mean but like the cook the cookie cutter they can thing. always mirror you yes or yeah. they can just bring something that counters you like that's the beauty of if balance there is no ultimate doctrine to rule them all there is always a counter one way or another yeah and you didn't and you didn't fc because of your accent you thought you were afraid. you know who else who else didn't want to FC because he said his English was too bad? Was Schwo. I had to force Schwo to FC himself because he gave me too many targets. I was like, dude, like I, I can't form all day, every day, all the time for every single target. If you really want to go for each of these targets, just go ahead and do it. You can do it. You've seen this a hundred times. Like, just go. And then he's, he took the flea and he got hooked on FCing too, right? So um, it's a common thing. I, same for me, actually. I mean, to a degree, like my English, I was confident enough to speak English and I knew people would understand me. Uh, but I always thought maybe the speed, like the decision making, then translating it to English, that would always be, that would always get in the way. So at first, I only have seen it in German, right? And it's very, it's a very similar thing, right? And uh, after a while, I guess I figured out, okay, well, might as well do it in English. I'm so comfortable. Like when it comes to Eve, it's it's like another language anyway, right? It's a different thing talking to someone about like whatever, um, like real world stuff. I don't know, a deep conversation about uh, politics or whatever. Or if you just talk about Eve, because you already like it's a different language anyway, right? It's a limited set of vocabulary. So it's like easier to get comfortable with, I think, right? Um. And yeah, I think very similar story. And then the same story that I hear always from FCs, how they start FCing, it's always the, um, oh yeah, there was no one else. Like, what am I supposed to do? I didn't want to sit docked. Like, I wanted to go out and do it, right? Uh, I think that, like, it's so common to hear that. Like, someone had to form the fleet, so I did. And then that got you hooked right away, yeah. That's, that's pretty yes. funny. From that point forward, I got hooked and then I was just sitting there monitoring the Intel channel and just forming whenever there was something to form for. See, that's very similar to what Shavon does, just the opposite way, you know what I mean? You sit in Intel challenge at the time and you you check um, for hostile fleets to come in and Shavon would just like check his spies and scouts and everything and then wormholes or whatnot. It's like a it's like a reverse defense fleet if you want to if, if you want to see it like that. And as soon as there's something, see, I said like I started doing home the fleets uh, ever since I got hooked on the Romerino. I still do them every now and then, but it's more of a what you call it an exemption from the rule rather than a common yeah. occurrence. I don't remember the last time I formed the defense fleet, but. Um... It's usually a pretty popular thing for FCs to form for because it's a little bit more of a controlled environment. Do you think it's a good environment to learn in for like new FCs? Home dev, absolutely. Uh, in fact, that's what I always recommend to people who just start, uh, who want to start a team and ask me for advice. Uh, why? Because, well, you during home dev, it's like the easiest way you can get a fight. You know what your enemies are bringing, you know where they are, you know how to counter them. Worst case, you pretty much always get more people than them. Because it's our turf, it's easy to get people on home dev. 
Yeah. So yeah. Um, what would you say to like a new FC? Like, what's a what's a good? What do you think is a good advice that could have helped you back then? The most important advice I can give is, don't be afraid to fit. A lot of young FCs, me included back in the day, were incredibly afraid of losing because they always think, oh, I'm going to lose. Now everybody will think I'm a loser and nobody will ever join my fleets ever, ever again. So, uh, so they were extre so get extremely risk averse and they extremely stress out if fight doesn't go their way. But the truth is, at least in pandemic world, people don't care about losing. People care about having fun. So as long as you uh, get your dudes uh, fun, as long as they enjoy your fleets, they'll come again. So, yeah, uh, don't be afraid to lose. Everybody loses every now and then. Just make sure to learn from your mistakes and don't repeat them again. Make sure your people have fun. Thanks, <laughs> Jolus. Uh, uh, and the concept of potentially feeding is why I'll never FC. See, like, you get comfortable with it too. You know what I mean? It's like, I think if you get too comfortable, that's not good, right? You shouldn't be going out, taking fleets out, and then just like weapon them and then like, yeah, who cares? You know, nobody wants to fly with that FC either. But, um, you know, people want to see you make plays. That's why I like, actually, that's maybe the, uh, like a bit of advice I would like to, um, to um, you know, give to like new FCs. Sometimes it's nice to just lay out the plan for people to, like, so we want to do this, we want to warp here, um, then we line here, hopefully they'll do that. You know, you try to predict what the hostels are going to do and stuff like this. So they know, okay, you've thought about this. And then if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You know what I mean? Um, and But people can more, like, they can more, um, they can understand a little bit more, like, what happened. You didn't just warp to the gate in a bubble because you didn't care about the fleet. Like, no, there was a little bit of a plan there at least, right? So... Um, I think that's actually, that's always the number one thing I tell everyone is have a plan, right? It might sound ridiculous, but I always think um, just forming up for, just for the sake of forming up, like, no, lay out like what is going to happen. And if your prediction is wrong, you learn something, you know what I mean? But a lot of people just go out and just like whoop in and see what happens. Like, nah, that's not a smart move, I think. So have a plan and then lay it out for you guys if you can, right? Obviously, if it's super opsick, then, you know, don't do it. But, like, I think that's a super helpful tool for, like, your dudes and fleet to also enjoy a loss a little bit more, right? Like, yeah, we made a play. So, so what? Next time we'll do it a little different. Um, And I think it, it goes in the, the right direction. Hmm? Uh, in my fleet, there is, this, there is a running joke that... The scariest thing I can say on comms ever is I have an idea. <laughs> because usually at base we are going to either die or turbo dunk. It can go either way. Yeah, that sounds very much like uh, me saying, um, what did I always say? Oh, this is going to be a tough one. You got a plan? No, no. I always say like, oh, this is going to be a tough one. When everyone's like, we should be engaging this anyway. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, well, uh, let's see what we can do or something like this, right? <laughs> but yeah, having a plan. Number one on my list for sure. And then, um, 
And then what what else? What do you think? What else are people um, maybe not aware of? Um, which they should be like, or maybe uh, another tip for like new FCs. Mm. Well, I kind of said uh, previously, but I can emphasize it more now. Uh, there's a nobody was born uh, a great tactician. Everybody makes mistakes, don't be afraid to make mistakes. But the difference between good FC and bad FC, the most important difference is Kudisi always analyzes his moves, always analyzes his mistakes and tries to improve upon them. It is Ideally, it should not be possible to... It should be possible to uh, to kill you by some, um, by some ambush or whatever else. But it should not be possible to kill you twice in the same circumstances. Uh, you see what I mean? So yeah. always analyze your mistakes, always see what you can improve. Like that's the most important aspect for any FC, and that's the difference from my perspective between good FC and bad FC. Bad FC yeah. just always stagnant, doesn't doesn't improve, and well, at best he remains at his level. At worst, he eventually drops out. I 100% agree, and it kind of goes like that's part of the what I, what I said the the have a plan thing, because that that's why I'm I'm saying have a plan. It might sound obvious. But you need to have a plan to then analyze it later on. You know what I mean? If you never had a plan, then you didn't do anything wrong anyway, right? Because like there was no plan, so there was no objective, there was nothing, you know, whatever. Like nothing happened, you know, there's nothing to analyze. But if you lay it out for you in your head a little bit, or even for the fleet, then you can go back afterwards, like actually, this part of the plan, the they will warp to zero into this bubble kind of thing, that part never happened really, right? And that's probably where the mistake was, right? I think that uh, that's a that's a big it's a big thing, and I've seen it a lot of times, even experienced FCs, um, that are not honest with themselves, right? That are lying to themselves, saying like, "Ah, oh, it was just bad luck," or "Ah, oh, it's uh, whatever," right? I think uh, you probably have seen this plenty of times too, where people are just like um, like bending the truth a little bit to make them feel better, right? And you know these guys are not gonna lay it, uh, lay it uh, awake at night about uh, like a fleet that work. They don't give a shit. And people know, right? They might not know consciously, but they kind of can tell if someone doesn't give a fuck, you know. And yeah, it all comes down to this. Yeah. Well, every FC bends the truth now and then. <laughs> well, like you know, in uh, like Doctor VR a bit or. I don't know, try to highlight how enemy are covers for running away or whatever else. Uh, but at the, the very lies. least, you must be honest with yourself. Yeah. At the very Those... least, you must be honest with yourself or you won't learn anything from your experience. Yeah, some of that are white lies. You know what I mean? Like, for example, if you're in a war and uh, let's say um, you lose a fight or whatever, if you bend it a little bit, you're trying to keep morale intact. That's what you're doing, right? Sure, there's limits to this though, right? If you bullshit your people hard, like sooner or later, I believe, you're going to pay the price for it, right? But if I think there's nothing wrong with um, like having a little bit of a positive, uh, I don't want to say spin, that would be like turning it completely around, but like taking the positives 
more out of stuff than the negatives, right? Because at the end of the day, it's a team kind of thing. And if they did everything right, they should actually, you know, come out of the fleet and feel good about it. Like, yeah, maybe I fucked up. And I think my guys would like instantly say like, yeah, I'm always like, they're like, ah, oh, I should have done this, should have done that and stuff like this, right? Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's always the FC's fault. You know what I mean? So I totally get it that, you know, people want to, you know, leave their fleet members with a, a good feeling, I think. And when that takes, I mean, doctoring VRs, I don't know about that one, right? Uh, I think it's too easy to be called out, so I would never do that. Um, so you have to do it in a clever way. <laughs> <laughs> giving away all this. You're not supposed to say this, by the way. You're supposed to say, like, no, I'm always honest 100% of the time. Absolutely uh, just objective truth, right? Because now mean, you gave it away. Way to doctor the easiest way to doctor to doctorate bad VR that you cannot be called upon is not posting one. So That's there true. is that. <laughs> that is true. You're just gonna claim victory and just move on. That's uh, well, that's one of the no, not necessarily what I meant, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I know. nobody likes to be honest about his mistakes, uh, and if these are no exception. Uh, people like to, people sometimes like to think that we are some special case of you know of hard rock individuals that always lead fleet to fleet to victory, but it's not. We are same people just like everybody else, and nobody likes admitting his mistakes, especially in front of a lot of people. Uh, and it's all right. Like you don't have to go with a full confession every every time you make a mistake, but at least at least you must know them yourself. Otherwise, well, yeah. you see the problem. That's an interesting point you brought up. The whole, like, people think you're like some kind of rock star, you know what I mean? People put you on a pedestal uh, a little bit, you know? And then, you know, there's fun memes and stuff like this, where it's like, it's. I think it's for certain people, it's very easy to, you know, get inflated egos from that kind of stuff. Like crazy, right? Um. Like, have you have you experienced that kind of stuff where people are just like, you know, they're a little bit too much into that character, missed that character, you know what I mean? Where they push that a little bit too much, make him like uh, that fucking ultra do, and you're like, oh my god, that's a standard I can't like, I can't uphold, something like this. Indirectly, like there is a correlation between. Uh my raw marina performance and the amount of dudes I usually receive. Like uh, that time when we killed 80 billions in Delph, hell yeah, I was getting 200 people next day. Uh, but if our performance is poor, then the numbers drop a bit to like 120, 110, something like this. So that's kind of indirectly tied to what you are saying. Like there's sometimes people give you a bit of a too high standard and if you don't uphold this uh, standard if due to circumstances or some other way your numbers drop but such things come and go so i personally take it in a positive stride sure maybe i had a bad luck today but tomorrow might be different especially yeah. if i has a little ace up my sleeve and try something new yeah it is kind of tricky um 
sometimes too, you know, if you are successful in doing what you're doing to keep that level up, you know what I mean? And to me personally, it was tricky for me when, when I did a lot of kicky hunting and it got nerfed like crazy because like there was not a lot of rock hearts out in space, right? Like people were used to getting a, a rock heart kill or two per fleet plus a Munin brawl or something and a bomb run wiping out. Like people got used to a lot of cool shit and it was like the standard. And then suddenly there's no rock hearts anymore. Uh, and so like, how am I supposed to deliver at, at that point? You know what I mean? Like it actually, you know, I didn't make that a conscious decision or anything, but um, yeah, looking back at it, like it's pretty rough, right? I didn't have the, uh, the scouts and spies in place to then like do 24 seven fucking rock hull hunting, you know? Um, so, yeah. I understand you completely. Uh, the initial idea behind my Romerinos was actually a bit different. We were not just coming to enemy staging and uh, provoking bats until they bring out response and we get a fight. The initial idea, mm -hmm. like when I was doing Romerinos, Romerinos, is we were, I was looking, well, I call them Carmelinos, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's basically a Corman fleet. I just remember. Uh, the initial idea was I was not even looking for enemy stagings. I was looking for systems with high traffic. And we were going there, we were just sitting on the gate. Then two possibilities exist. Either we, either enemies bring out response, we get a good fight, we are home, collapse all around. Uh, or, or enemy doesn't do anything. In which case we seek on a gate with high traffic and just murder everything that comes. There's actually one time in in XX staging actually when some mad lad jumped a marshal into us. And of course he died. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, I was very happy to see him. Uh, and then it was nerfed. How it was nerfed? Poshvin. Poshvin popped up, uh, writing and mining Nulsec was nerfed. Sadly, there is there are no more writers and miners in Nulsec, so and they were the ones who can see the traffic. Because why would you move from your staging to somewhere else if you're just a hardcore PP dude who doesn't do anything outside? You won't. And I was like, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? Like, there is no traffic. I can come there and sit on this bloody gate, but they can just ignore me, which is exactly what happened. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, my play style was not uh, limited to killing caps, so I was able to adjust. I switched to a bit heavier doctrines. I started provoking stuff a bit. I started bashing enemy behind the Lexus in front of their keepsters, or sometimes the keepsters themselves. Uh, and usually that brings a response. But yeah, I understand your feeling completely. Um, and we talked like so we talked about like new FCs and coming up and all that stuff. Were there any FCs that uh, like had a big impact on on you? I don't know like some mentors or like did you is it all self-taught completely or did you have someone uh, like take you uh, under his wings well yeah there were uh, i can name you a couple actually the kind of a mentor figure for me back in the day of course wasn't an official mentor even so we had such problem but i never participated in it kind of a mentor figure for me was Arky, Arky in Uh I was, he was in my time zone, so I was always looking forward to his fleets. Uh, I even started doing Elaine stuff in his fleet, Logi anchoring. Uh, I was already a regular FC at that day, but 
you know, that way I could look at his tactics, see what he's doing, trying to anticipate them, and learning, of course. Uh, plus, we talked a lot in RPMs about uh, what we were, uh, what he was doing, why he was doing it, and he taught me quite a few. He gave me quite a few advices. Uh, later on, I'd probably say Alpha Star actually. Uh, that was during World War B two area. Uh, that dude was absolutely insane, and a lot of my attitude I actually got from him. Like there was that one day when in B one seven. There was a sign. Okay. Uh, there was a dude sitting on the sign and wrapping it with his Oracle. It was on the Keepster. So he thought he was invincible. In B17? So in B17, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. During World War B2. In, directly in range from our staging. Uh, I was, and he was doing it for several days. I, I knew about it, but I was like, okay, what can we possibly do? I mean, okay, we can drop on it, but they'll just undock and <laughs> then what we die. Then Alpha Star saw it. He formed fucking Phyrexes and dropped at zero and killed this shit. <laughs> That's what I got my ideas of killing goon capitals on their own on top. <laughs> Which I am doing quite often. The latest one was actually a week ago when some mad lad in his Chimera decided to launch fighters at us when we were sitting on the gate. Next thing he knew, we were on top of him. Yeah, maybe like sort of lesson that you learned there was like the, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta get get going and just give it a shot, right? Exactly. Um, There's exactly. some of those so, SCs so that reminds me of Bliss, like Sister Bliss, who used to be um, the leader of Inet and the main of CE2, and he always had that attitude. Like he would always like if there like if there's any chance of getting something done or like of a fight. He would be already forming. Like they wouldn't like he wouldn't question like he wouldn't ask the question as had like, oh, what are the chances and stuff? I can I catch myself all the time thinking like, oh, what are the chances that we actually get a fight here and there? Like, I don't want to waste everyone's time, stuff like this. Um but Bliss was always like the you know, get out, get it done kind of type, right? So like um I kinda learned that from him. Like the same lesson that you learned from Alpha Star, I guess. You know what actually is funny now that I Think about this. Alpha Star used to. He started seeing it in it. He might have learned that from Bliss, actually. <laughs> so, uh, well, wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just speculating right now. But he started seeing it in it. I'm pretty sure. So he was super young. Um, and at the time he was a little annoying. Not gonna lie, he had a bit of a reputation. But he matured quite a bit. I think. Um, I actually had him on the podcast. Like I don't. I think maybe half a year ago. Uh, it was pretty fun to talk about the old times. But yeah, uh, he might have learned that from Bliss, actually. Yeah, That attitude, yeah. It's important, I think. Well, yeah. he used to be a pretty young, so there is that. When I, was, when I started FCing, I was, I think I was 19 or something like this. And let's say I was not the nicest guy to have in chats. Yeah. Led me to quite a few quarrels with others. But eventually I grew up over it, so Yeah. I yeah. kinda understand Alpha Star back in his day. Yeah, you <laughs> know, I've seen like I didn't say that I didn't want to be mean or anything. I think he would agree. Like I think he even agreed when we we've talked about it on the podcast. Like like young guys, yeah, you you know, like a little bit of a dickhead is in there. It's a hundred percent, right? It's just what happens. Like young guys are just like that. And uh, you know. Well, People have to mature. It's just how it is. 
There's no, there was nothing. I didn't mean to be uh, mean or whatever. Is Alphastar actually um, active at the moment? Or did he actually uh, did he quit? No, I I believe he quit for good. He biomasked his character and, well, there's All it. Right. Oh, that's sad. That is sad. It is. Yeah, we need more people, not less, playing this game. We also need more groups. Right? Um, I mean, we're both... I think we're both in a similar boat when it comes to the war stuff and so on. Like, yeah, we participate, right? Like, wherever we can help, like, help the family, you know what I mean? Uh, we're both not really invested in, like, the big war stuff. Um, but it kind of makes me sad to see, like, there's just two sides really left, right? Um, I I bet you, as a as a more of a Rome-focused guy, you probably agree with that. Um I agree with that, but it's not exactly a new development. Like, back in the day, as far as I remember, it always had been two sides. Be it uh, Puppy and Imperium, or be it Panfam versus Le Imperial Legacy, or be it, uh, uh, what was they called? C3F back in the day versus Panfam, and so on and so forth. Like people were always getting divided into groups because, well, one group was always trying to own up another. So Sero was always in this state of a cold war permanent that occasionally goes into hot. But I agree with you that uh, such escalations as right now are suboptimal for Romerino. Like before this war in the North started, I had, well, even let's go in further, before the, uh, before the fire eviction before the fire eviction. I had three options to roam. I could go to Frat, I could go to Imperium, I could go to Fire. After Fire got evicted, okay, it's still three options. I can go to Frat, I can go to B3, because now they have enough use for it, or, or I can go to Imperium, to Delph and stuff. Now I'm pretty sure I'm pretty down to one option, and even that one is not super good. It's, I mean, it's, it is a challenge, and I like challenges. It is hard to overcome. But it lacks variety, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, like, I, I agree. It always happened to a degree. You know, there was always two sides. But I think it was, like, it's a natural thing if you think about it. Let's say back in the day there was a, a war kicking off um, goons versus whatever, NC, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Everyone who would join in, in fact, would have to pick a side, technically, right? It's just, like, normal. So, like... There was always be that tendency for each group to pick each side. So technically, there was always two sides, right? I totally agree. But I think the difference was there was always enough alliances that weren't involved in every little conflict uh, all the time. You know what I mean? Because now there's any kind of war and everyone kind of gets involved. And uh, you have to you force everyone to pick a side every time. And then it kind of cements those two sides. And the whole fire thing, it was a weird, I don't know, development, like shake-up, I guess, that fire used to be on the Panfam side, um, or the, I should say, Papi side. And then kind of, um, and then Gobbins kind of decided that, you know, um, he doesn't like him anymore. I don't know. But it kind of, it was all a little bit of a weird situation, and I I really didn't I didn't like them see uh I didn't like seeing them like getting evicted, 
for exactly the same reasons. Exactly, that's how I say it all the time too. Like if you roam now, like you have like one Desti, two Desties. I can go to Horde staging or I can go to Fred staging. And, uh, you know, depending on the time zone, it's both pretty hard, right? So um, uh, the the options are just so limited now, right? And it's just like, it, it worries me a little bit, I gotta say. But um, well, it is... It I is was exactly... Sorry, I was just, I, I just want to add, it, 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 it is kind of human nature. It's kind of like the normal thing for that to happen. But I also think it, it kind of accelerated lately, right? Uh, well, I wasn't exactly sad about the Vision Fire. In fact, I was absolutely elated. <laughs> uh, in, in no small part, because when they moved out, they moved out to B3 space. Now, suddenly, there was a lot of people in B3 space, and suddenly B3 space became a, uh, became a target for my Romerine, because now if I come there, I get content. Previously, I was not risking it because I thought that, well, they'll just, they'll just want undock if I bring 150 nerds. Now they were. Uh, and for a while, until this war in the north kicked off, I was roaming them after that. Uh, what, uh, but on a general picture, what you are describing is consolidation. Uh, it had been always going on in if and... It is not super unfortunate. It is not super fortunate. I agree that uh, it would be nicer if we had more groups with more complicated diplomacy and more targets to roam, but well, it's just the way it is. And maybe if we had twice the amount of people we have right now, it would be different. But uh, historically twice. speaking, looking back, like looking at 2012, 2013, when if numbers were at their peak. It was still like two, three major groups in the entire server and everybody else. But so. you would always have the probably block that would do their own stuff. They wouldn't be involved in a war. Then you would have usually XIX uh, being their own thing up there. And like everyone was kind of their own thing. They had loose ties to like each group, but like it wasn't quite that clear cut, I think, right? Yes, but current clear cut is more of a more of a nature of the current war or conflict, if you wish. For example, as, let's assume that we, we did not evict fire. Fire are still sitting in, down the south, and suddenly Imperium decides to go help B two against Fraternity and start fighting, waging war on Fraternity. Like, let's suppose that happens. Do you think in such situation XX would do anything? to help uh, Fraternity or Pan from up, up north? No, of course no. not. They would just do their own thing. Uh, or another example. Let's assume instead of deploying to B2 area and helping them against Fraternity, uh, Imperium deploys to the south, to the south and start poking directly at Pan from borders in its mother. It, I kind of doubt Fraternity would help us a lot down south. They would probably come for a couple of timers, but I doubt it would be a major deployment for them. Yeah. So it's kind of boils down to the nature of current war, this clear cut, because every usually unaffiliated group was forced into this conflict, either due to previous con uh, due to previous circumstances or due to the way on who exactly this war is waged. Read fraternity. I mean, on the bright side, the war, there I mean, is let's plenty do... of new groups. 
let's be honest though technically this was started with fraternity pushing on the b2 guys right so you know the the war isn't really the i think the the um the objective of the war is not to like remove fraternity from the game or anything right uh, I agree with you that this whole conflict started with Fraz uh, trying to take up more space. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, but I like to uh, make a clear cut on when Imperium and Panfam got more involved because it kind of escalated conflict into an entirely new area that it was not in previously. So that's why, uh, that's why I keep calling it the current war because, well, it's different from what it was before. Yeah. Well, I agree. On the bright mm. side, on the bright side, there is a lot there's a lot of new small alliances moving in south, so maybe we'll get more unaffiliated groups later on from this area. Hopefully actually. Mm. Yeah, well, historically though, I don't I don't hold um I don't have too much hope for that, you know. I mean, I wish there was more groups like going into that empty space that XIX left behind, you know. Uh, you see like one or two very small groups do it, but like, I'm not sure if that's, um, um, you know, gonna change a lot in the next, I don't know. I don't know how much time you would give that stuff, right? Like maybe a year. We'll have to see in a year. Um, I mean, we already have a precedent. Exactly that happened when Goons evicted NCPL from Tribute and Whale. And then it was inhabited by smaller, smallish groups. Yeah, but I think so those those smaller groups. I mean, so I that always makes me talk about anciplexes, which I kind of wanna. I don't know. I don't wanna talk about it really, but it's a unique thing when there's regions uh, that are completely rid of anciplexes, right? That's when smaller groups can move in. But I think we lost a lot of these smaller groups over all this time where we had the Anciplex problem everywhere, right? Like the trigger happies, the toilet papers, um, those alliances that were in tribute at the time, they just don't exist right now. They just don't. Like there's nobody there to actually move into that space anymore. Back then there still was, but now there's just not. Uh, and I, I think that's the problem now. That's why like, I, I don't know any alliances that would move in there. And um, even if the environment is perfect. And I think that's the difference to big then. I agree, but I agree that it is a difference between now and then. I agree that we have sm fewer smallish groups, come, uh, relatively speaking. But I don't think it's anti-lexus alone. No, uh, that's not what I'm saying. Already, but yeah. Like, I think larger impact was from scarcity. Because, let's be honest, it hit smaller groups way harder than it hit uh, bigger groups. Because bigger groups were able to adapt. There was still some stuff to do in those seconds. Where at least you could, you could run industry that you could not run anywhere else. Uh, from smaller groups' perspective, who wouldn't risk it running complicated industrial parks. What exactly could they do in those Mine? It was nerfed. Crap? It was nerfed. So why would they remain in those so these groups either moved somewhere else or they dissolved, and that's tragedy, really. But now things are changing, so hopefully it will improve over time. Yeah, well, I hope so too, right? I hope there's a, 
there's a couple um, good changes coming up. I can only hope, not that I know anything. Um, that might just help with this. Um, but I think we do really need some impactful kind of changes to actually change that in any significant way. Right. Um, do you have do you have any um, changes in mind? Maybe that um, you know you think maybe like CCP should you know look at. Uh, actually, I do. Uh, well, from from global perspective, speaking about uh, capitals and other stuff, I wish there were more there was more to do with caps in NullSec. Like, I don't even remember the last time I saw a regular carrier, for example, writing or doing something. Uh, beacons are a nice little idea, but they're mostly run by supers. And they are being run by groups that have super cap umbrellas. If you try to kill one, well, you get supers dropped on top of you. It's so good luck with that. Sometimes they're being run by dreadnoughts, but, well, these are just... <laughs> Suicide dudes, basically. So most cases, it's either super. So there was that dude in Delph was running into oracles because why? Because he had a panic button. Uh, I wish there were more to do. Not because I write myself. God forbid, no. But because these dudes were my targets. I'm. I could not. Maybe I was not going directly after them like you did. But if the first thing I I did when I was coming to system was checking it if there are any caps on disco back in the day because caps are very very nice uh targets yeah even if the price tag uh, isn't, from isn't even that high right remember the times when caps were just like maybe a bill or two not crazy not crazy if you think about it compared to like a pimp marauder nowadays right but people like yeah. killing a cap is still something you know there's something to it you know what i mean your, your fleet gets a little bit more excited for it right Especially if you do it with cheaper T1 Cormorants. <laughs> also, <laughs> Which yeah. was what I was running at the time. Noob ships only. Maximum excitement. Well, we're also using T2 guns sometimes. But... <laughs> and on a tactical standpoint, on a tactical standpoint, I really wish CCP returned pushers to the way they used to be. Uh, like, even not, even if not for Kikimura fleets and uh, killing caps, it was an incredible damage multiplier for smallish fleets. It it was an incredible uh, way to kite, kite and snipe your enemy and just dance around them. It was very frustrating, yes, but it also gave a way for smaller groups to fight a bigger one. If they are more organized, more well-knit, and I really wish I had more time to play with it because shortly after I started the scene, well, it was nerfed. Yeah. Well, I played around with that. Maybe a little bit too much, I guess. Yeah, but I gotta Hell say yeah. though, I mean, I gotta say though, people bring that up sometimes, and um, they say to me like, "Oh yeah, wouldn't it be nice?" Brisk said that to me once. Like, we need to revert the boost changes and stuff. But like, I don't know if I agree. You know what I mean? I I didn't agree at the time, and I still don't with the way they got nerfed. But I do agree that I could see the meta develop into a, in a direction where it's like problematic. All right, and the problematic part wasn't the the Stukas that are very killable still. They have limited range and stuff like this. 
it wasn't the bush ravens that like maybe warm holders might complain about or whatever right um it was like the middle ground it was the the hex on bushes the bush eagles and stuff that would become or bush serps that would become a real problem um long term because they're not they're too fast to chemo the bushes they're too tanky to catch them off guard and uh, you know just like straight up uh, kill them um and they're just like super flexible all around and they have enough dps to actually you know kill stuff and be super annoying and i thought the the meta was developing in that direction where everyone would have to do this and then it becomes a little bit too much i mean i would have loved it like as like as a group like i think in it we were pretty well set up if the meta would have shifted to that I think we would have dealt with it just fine, but I think it would have it would have drowned every other uh, meta. Like there would have been no battleships or any, any of that stuff. It would have been just bush hacks. Um, so it had to be touched in in some way. I would have just loved to see, for example, right? I think they always they focus on the numbers that you can bush. I just think the the key was always how fast can you bush? Like if you wanted to know that, I would have loved to see the the spool up time uh, just be longer. The more people are on you, right? If you hit your bush and there's like fucking a hundred dudes on you, guess what? Maybe it takes like a hundred percent longer and you spool up for 10 seconds. Guess what? That's enough time to get scrammed and you're in trouble, right? And a bush fleet generally, if the bush stuff uh, is um, is taken out, it's not a hard fleet to counter, right? If you take the bushes out of any bush fleets, they're usually paper thin, uh, very easy to counter, and expensive then, right? So I would have loved to see an approach like that. But, um, you know, I did agree with, like, it had to be touched sooner or later. I think it was a little too soon, but, you know. But it's interesting that you um, say that. You feel like you missed out on the Bush medal? I do. <laughs> I do. It was fun, dude. I mean, I was I was just starting doing my Romerinos. I was looking at them. I was thinking about it. And then they got nerfed. Like, ah, ah. That's sad. Uh, I I agree with you that in, you know, that uh, what five, six seconds of a Bush time is a bit low. Like, over this time, you probably won't even have enough reaction time to lock up the busher and scram it. If it were like 10 seconds or 15 seconds, it would be more balanced. But there's one more thing to consider. Uh, these busher hacks online that you described, hacks are not the same now. They were nerfed. Not anymore, that's true. Okay, yes. Yeah, so it won't work anymore. Uh, let, let me give you an example. Uh, in Horde, we have a doctor, slave nurse. They work in a very simple way. You just sit in one place and you shoot everything that's in range. You are not so, you, they are not as fast as hacks, but they're not supposed to. As long as hacks are in range, they get deleted. Why? Because you have bigger range than they do. So let's assume we get, I don't know, uh, eagles with bushers. Uh, with unlimited bush. Okay, fine. They bush out. What next? If they are within, if they get within range of their own guns to shoot at us, then they get within our range. And we just kill them because, well, Wally. Slaves have insane Wally even on Tremor range. Uh, and if they don't get in range to shoot at us, well, then we win. Congratulations. 
an argument can be made. The only doctrine that can think of that can directly benefit from such from such improvement would be Navy Ospreys. Because Navy Ospreys are probably the only cruiser nowadays that can comfortably lob missiles or other projectiles at 150 kilometers. But even then, they can be no, they can be countered by bringing, well, let's say a Firex with one guidance computer, with one tracking computer. They can probably even which be is exactly what they did by a couple bombers. It's not that hard to yes. bomb them. Right? Yes, yes, they can be countered by bombers. But even if you don't have bombers, you can just bring Firexes, slap a tracking computer, and voila, you shoot at 150 kilometers. Yeah. Which is exactly what B3 did against me. That's why I stopped trying to fight their fights and just started dancing around, killing their dictators and whatnot. You know what's also interesting? You know what a hard counter, like a hard nerf to the Bush meta would have been too? Is the formation warps. Because T3s, obviously, um, they, like before the interdiction change, right? They could, they were just interdiction notified all the time, and you could do chemos. Like, you can have a bubble on your bush fleet all the time, but like, they would still land on zero, right? But now the hex and like Stukas and Kikis were the same. Um, they move too fast, right? But with formation warps, very easy. I mean, I would, I say very easy. You, you need some skill, but then you can land on zero and kill all their bushes in one go. Right, if you land that keyboard wing, but now with the interdiction changes, with the like it being an active mod, you have to be decloaked to activate it. That really doesn't work anymore, right? And I think if the formation warps would have been a thing, that would have been such a hard counter that would have ended the bush meta right away, anyway, because like people would have figured it out, and then the price you pay for. Like you take a bush fleet, whatever it is, let's say you take bush O and I's out, right? And I'm very aware of like how to counter them. Um, like you can't visit us anymore with the same thing. Like you have to assume that happens every time, right? Like you just can't like, see, it's like, it's, it's such a, an instant counter to your, to your concept then that you can't really do it. You know what I mean? Like how are you going to lose a full fleet and then you know, form the same thing again with a fair chance of that the same thing happening. And you can't do anything about it. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. So I think the formation warps would have already countered the whole thing anyway. It came way later, though, right? You, you just described the way I'm feeling about uh, Seiko. Tick bombed me a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. that's exactly what happened. Yeah, if you're powerless, right? Like, what am, I, what am I supposed to do? But at the same time, I know what you can do. You could just warp at 20 or 30. And then what? He's bridging in, and then you can just, like, kill him. You know what I mean? You just have to know when to do it. You have to know when to warp at 30, right? And that's the tricky part. Well, yes, but if that happens, okay, the bombers, they just warp out, they lose their signals, but it's not that big of a deal, they have more. But... And here's the problem. How exactly can I see it coming? Like, again, there were only, like, two neutrals. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there were, like, there were just couple uh, two neutrals in local. Um, I did not assume anything. We warped. Then signals lit up. So... Like, you, you know what? I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to tell you how I usually counter this kind of stuff. And I never got tick-bombed 
think. Did I? Maybe maybe some if you're of gonna them. Say, no, if you're gonna say no. Wolf's approach, there is another problem. No, no, no. No, you know how I counter these kind of things is I just fucking travel more, you know? So by the time you arrive at the bait, like, well, yeah, maybe the first five guys get tick bombed. Who gives a shit? Like you have to time it for the entire fleet, but the entire fleet is not landing at the same time, right? So as long as you're not warping with the with the whole fleet at once, you know, just spread them out a tiny bit. Like you just warp, like you just spread them out in squads or tell, tell everyone to pick a number between one and 10 and then warp them every 10 seconds. And then, yeah, your fleet is spread out a little bit. It's not optimal usually, but if you think the only threat right now is a is a take bomb run, like good luck catching my 10 guys, you know, 10 guys get unlucky. Well, tough shit. You took one for the team, right? But the bombers are not going to feel like, oh, we achieved like an absolute like massive win right here. Um, that's how you usually how I do it then, right? If I feel like, mm, you know, I just limit the the impact for them. Like if they catch me, tough shit. They catch a, a couple, but not they're not going to catch the whole fleet then, right? Uh, you're right. And that's exactly what I was doing. Uh, back when I was coming to Dell, for example, I was almost always free burning, actually. Because as we free burn, we get spread out, and yeah, okay, okay, if they bomb us, they can kill like a couple of dudes, but the rest survive, because we are still burning. Problem with B3 area, again, is too many dudes are living in the same place, too many different groups. And if, for example, there are these bombers, and there is somebody formed, like we need a couple of days ago, yeah. the need can just utilize our us free burning and just drop in front of us and yeah sure as soon as i see them i tell everyone to stop burning and just gather up in one place but they are going always going to be some stupid limits and if they are very lucky, that one guy. they can even separate the fleet in half so they they won't drop instantly they will wait until some pass and then they will drop which actually what they did uh and from that point even if we are not separated we have to move a single unit a single fleet and that's when bombers come in. Like, yeah. I understand what you are saying, and I agree it can work. It does work. I've been doing it for a, for a while now. Well, more or less same way, a bit less organized, but it, it got the same gist. Yeah, there's always a balance to it, of course. But not... A... Yes, yes. So my goal is to find something that can work with both approaches. That's why I want to try combat interceptors. If that doesn't work, well, I might have a couple of more ideas in the own. And those scepters, they're hard to bomb. Like a tick bomb for scepters is way harder to pull off than, uh, you know, something cruiser sized. Like, try time that one. They're not going to land for like half an hour, you know. Yep. But, and they're counters to that too, right? <laughs> That's the beauty about it. Like the other day when uh, you were traveling with your own eyes, and then we jumped in uh, the Zappy boys, scepters would have a hard time surviving that. Yes, but that's why I'm uh, that's why I'm so keen on interceptors. If I don't like the odds, or for example, if I have let's say sixty interceptors and goons bring one hundred fifty flycatchers, of course I'm not going to kill that. I can just extract because we have nullifiers. Yeah, but against the Zeppi boss, nullifiers aren't going to do anything. Maybe I shouldn't be saying anything. No, you're right. It's fine. <laughs> You you mean uh, these hidden com cruisers and whatnot just uh, sitting yeah. at the gate and just yeah I don't know what you guys call them true hidden yeah. com cruisers standard shells storm ringers we don't have their doctrine so we don't have a special name for oh them. wait didn't you like, guys fly I agree with you 
not Stormbreaker. Yes, we had uh, Skybreakers. Yes, Skybreakers. We had Skybreakers, and they didn't work, so we dropped them. It was back during Bolt Two Eighty. Honestly, I like. like I, I agree with you that. Go ahead. No, no, you go. You agree? I agree that Zappy Voice would be a problem if you are sitting on the gate. Problem is, we can only just take another gate or go somewhere else. Okay. Like, there are options. Maybe in the dead end. I don't know. Yeah. That, I'm that's, just saying. That's why on the paper, I think it can work. Yeah. Well, maybe we get to find out one day. Well, we'll probably find out today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you you flying the Scepters today, um, but yeah, I don't think we're gonna have a Zeppi Boy fleet today. But maybe in the coming days. So in other words, you'll try to fight bombing. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't think bombing Scepter. I mean, I can think of a couple of ways to catch those Scepters for sure with bombs, but. Uh, it's a you know it's a complicated like you gotta bait you gotta make him MWD in a direction cause like you know it's pretty hard uh, even though you're bubble proof throwing the bubble around them probably helps not everyone's gonna hit it in time and there's gonna be panic and shit like this right so I think you can probably bomb them too you know but way harder to pull off of course not impossible. You can also bring a smart bomb in Praxis sitting on the gate. Yeah. <laughs> you can also not bring a smart bomb Praxis. Because, uh, you know, the smart bomb Praxis is going to die instantly. Well, yeah, if, if he's got. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the EHP. You want to link your fit? You know, it depends on the EHP. But, yeah. No, I, I would not. I can make a fit. I, um, I mean, how much how much different can the fit be, right? How many slots do they have? Three highs, three mids, three lows. Is that kind of that's kind of what a crusader has, right? Like roundabout, like average combat scepter is probably that, right? Three, three, three. You know, how crazy can you go? Like it's gonna have an MWD, a point, a scram, some tank. That's about it. So yeah. Probably not that hard to predict the fit. But yeah. Um, um, do you have anything else on your list, like what CCP might want to look at before? Or do you want to get rid of anything else? Any, any other thoughts? Because we're like at an hour 30 at least. So uh, maybe uh, he's taking notes. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe like... Some last things you wanna you wanna say before we call it? No, that's about it. All right. Well, in that case, I would say uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, it was nice uh, chit chatting about uh, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, see you uh, see you in space, right? Well, thanks for inviting me. All right, and the guys on stream. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, thanks for hanging out. And see you guys probably tomorrow. All right.